We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Mavericks 127, Timberwolves 122 in Dallas on Monday night. And that score is no way representative of how this game played out. Yes, the Wolves did fall down by 20 points in the first quarter again tonight, which is not the first time that's happened this season. And I guess it's not actually the first time that's happened the past 48 hours. Um, I think it's natural to say this game... You know, it, it looks like it was a carbon copy of that second Thunder game on, what was that, Saturday night, where the Wolves got down big in the first half and then, you know, made it close in the second. But I actually think that's not how this one played out. You know, in, in a lot of ways, this one was more, you know, more typical of the way the Wolves have been blown out this year. You think back to, like, the Lakers game and the Clippers game and, and some of those earlier on, um, the, the final score just didn't represent that. But if the Wolves do have different distinguishable, you know, styles of getting beaten, you know, their baseline style, I guess, is to fall behind by 20 plus points. And then, you know, to kind of hold the line from there, staying down by 20 ish until like the fourth quarter where, you know, they win the fourth quarter by like four or five points and lose by 16. That's that's been a typical Wolves loss this year. And the Thunder game wasn't that. I mean, in that one, it was a blowout in the first half, but they cut it down to seven. Like right away in the third quarter, I think it was five minutes in. Nas Reed had 13 points, and you know it's a seven-point game. So in that one, you had a you had a game the whole second half. Tonight was not that. You know this one wasn't. I mean, after the first quarter, they're down by 20. This game wasn't a game at all in the second half. I mean, this was the normal, just keeping it at 20 deal. And you're like, what are you know, what am I even watching? But then you know. <laughs> The Wolves went into like hyperdrive in what is normally garbage time, and they cut it to a five-point game with 90 seconds left. And this all, you know, sounds like I'm making fun of them, which I, 
I don't know. I guess I kind of am. But I actually think the fourth quarter was really impressive. And I think Malik Beasley legit deserves some respect for that. I mean, Malik Malik represents everything that is positive about this team right now, which, you know, maybe not be a lot. <laughs> not a lot. There's 6-18, and 18, but... The dude was incredible in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Wolves were down 106 to 86 when Malik checked in three minutes into the fourth quarter. I mean, how many players in the NBA would check into a game down by 20 when their team is 6 and 17 and, I mean, give maximum effort? I mean, seriously, how many? Like, there's a couple Jared Dudleys out there, but but Malik Beasley brings that Jared Dudley energy and, and he's actually good. I mean, he came in with eight minutes and 46 seconds left in the game again down by 20 and he went on to score 22 points in the fourth quarter he hit seven straight shots six made threes and then grabbed an offensive rebound which i thought was insane with 51 seconds left in the game and and got an and one on chris for Porzingis. i mean that's just that's not just basketball impressive that's that's being like an impressive person i asked malik about that play after the game malik obviously the uh the six made threes and you know in that in that fourth quarter are going to pop but there's also that that offensive rebound you had there, and I, I felt like that really stood out. What what sort of message do you feel like that play kind of sent? That the game isn't over. Um, I knew that uh, Ann was going through a great look at that shot. Um, he didn't make it, but um, I wanted to keep fighting. And um, I, I was at the end of the whistle if we up 20 or down 20. Um, and, you know, to be able to put it back up was, was the tough part, and to finish it was, you know, Part that showed the hustle and the nation not to quit. I mean, as far as bright spots go on a now six and eighteen team, I mean, I don't know if they get brighter than what Malik is doing. And I just, I personally, I just want to give that dude some respect. I, I definitely questioned the contract this summer, and I definitely, basketball wise, questioned his ability to contribute anything more than scoring. I mean, I thought we were going to have a twenty point score and a guy who could, you know, shoot around forty percent, but. I questioned the defense. I, I questioned his ability to rebound, to you know, to contribute to all-around winning basketball. And I was definitely wrong about everything. I mean, he's straight up been special. He's been the best player on the Timberwolves this year. I'm going to stop saying it was D'Angelo Russell. I know I've done that. Malik Peasley has been the best player on the Timberwolves this year. It's not close. But really, after that game, the one thing that he got me reflecting on most is how you know, I'm thinking back to when they traded for him last year. And I just remember like the press conference or the, you know, kind of the weeks after that, Malik kept saying, like, I'm the leader of this team. He, he, he said that right away. And I was like, okay, okay, you know, easy. And, you know, that's maybe proven to be the thing I was most wrong about with Malik Beasley. He is the leader of this team. And he's a good leader. He's a selfless leader. He takes blame at his faults. And and on the floor he leads by example. I mean, if the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves had 15 players who brought what Beasley brings in terms of effort, like don't even adjust the talent of those 15 players. Like play like Malik effort wise, and that's a winning basketball team. 15 guys who play like he does win in the NBA. Simple. Malik, what do you think is hurting you guys the most in the first quarter, and and how can you go about changing that to get off better starts? Uh, I put it on me. Uh, I got to be better uh, on my team. Um, I got to make sure we come out ready to play. I got to make sure we know our roles, we know what's going on. Um, early in the game, I need, I need to see the mismatches. I need to get Nas more involved, J.O. more involved, just 
um, I'm not sure. I, I hold myself accountable to, you know, that's my group. So we got to play better when we come out, start the game. Outside of Malik, the, the positive performances were pretty few and far between. Josh Okoge and Ricky Rubio led the team in plus minus tonight. And I think this was one of the games where, you know, doesn't always happen, but plus minus, I, I thought tonight lined up for them with the eye test. Okogi was a team best plus 20 in, you know, in a loss. And, and he, he did, he had 11 points. He didn't miss a shot and also did a good job of slowing down Luka Doncic um, when, when Josh was matched up with him for Rubio, he had nine points and seven assists. Doesn't, it doesn't pop as a stat line, but I thought he played better than, than those numbers might indicate. I thought particularly Rubio's playmaking seemed to come back a little bit. He showed showed some good synergy with Jared Vanderbilt on a few cuts. And when Wancho Hernangomez played in the fourth quarter, uh, I thought Ricky did a good job of you know kind of making him comfortable. And you know I don't think well we'll talk about Wancho later. I don't think he's going to be in the rotation, but if he is at some point in the year, I think it makes sense. You know that those two those two might complement each other well in the second unit. I mean you can just tell that they've. They played together on the Spanish national team. So shout out to Okogi and Rubio. Um, you know, two two players I've been hard on lately. I mean, they haven't hadn't really been, you know, performing. And I, I just thought both Okogi and Rubio brought good effort and produced tonight. But really, the story was that Rubio had to play a season high of thirty four minutes tonight because DeAndre Russell only played the first six minutes of the game before heading to the locker room with quote left leg soreness. We'll get into what the heck happened with that there and D'Lo here after the break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time so if you're looking to bet smarter an action network pro subscription is the way to get started and for a limited time our listeners can receive 50 percent off an annual pro subscription just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50 percent off an annual subscription when you use the code more 50 m-o-o-r-e-5-0 this offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. It is worth noting with DeAndre Russell tonight that it was left leg soreness that removed Russell from the game tonight because the injury that has had D'Lo in and out of the lineup you know, over the course of the past few weeks was a right quad bruise. And I understand the sentiment from, you know, many people who think this was some sort of mid-game tanking measure by the Wolves. But I don't think, I mean, I don't think you can point to this specific instance as being that. I mean, there's there's a video floating around Twitter um, of Edwards running into D'Lo in the first quarter and, you know, D'Lo grimacing and limping afterwards. So, 
I, I would say it's wrong to assert that this is some sort of made-up injury. I mean, Saunders said D'Lo subbed out at his normal time in the first quarter, and he went over to the trainers to get his leg worked on, and the trainers told Saunders that D'Lo would not be returning to the game. And I'm sure people are going to run rampant you know, with conspiracy theories there, but I, I think I, I do think it's wrong to say that this was a made-up injury or, or you know, some sort of tanking move. I mean, the, the bigger issue here that, that I believe is, is contributing to hurting the Timberwolves' odds of winning night in and night out is the fact that the minutes are just limited across the board on this team, you know, relative to how much other players in the league, you know, how much they play. And tonight, tonight was an example of that too. I mean, Beasley and Rubio, with Russell out of the game, I mean, they, they still only played 34 minutes, and they led the team in minutes. And that's, that's what it looks like night in and night out. I mean, nobody on the Wolves really ever plays – over 35 minutes, that's kind of been a pretty hard line. I mean, the top four players in minutes on the team this season are Beasley, Edwards, Russell, and Rubio. And of those four players, now we're 24 games into the season, only five times, and Beasley's played in every game, only five times has he played over 35 minutes. One of those was an overtime game. Russell has played over 35 only three times. And then Rubio and Edwards have never played over 35. And if you just look at the NBA's leaderboard, there are 20 players in the league who average playing 35 minutes a night. So why? Why why do the players never hit that mark? Is that a coaching choice? Is that decision coming from the front office? Jace Frederick asked Ryan Saunders about that after the game tonight. And then we've talked about this a little bit before, but guys stand under 35 minutes. I'm wondering, is there a little bit of an organizational sports science um, impact to that where, where you guys are really trying to, to keep that? I mean, is that vibration between you and the front office and keeping guys minutes that low? I mean, yeah, um, in, in, a, in a way, but I wouldn't, you know, attribute it all to that um, because, you know, a lot, a lot of it, you know, there's a couple of guys who, who, you know, can probably teeter around that. But, you know, I've said before, there's, you know, Jalen Noel's playing well. Um, so that's naturally going to take, you know, a couple minutes away from a couple guys. Um, and, you know, if, we didn't play, you know, we, we, I believe we had 12 fast break points in the second half, but we're still not playing as fast as I want to play. So with that, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it, it's gotta be where you're, you're exhausted after five minutes, after six minutes, because, you know, one, you're defending, but two, you're also scoring in transition. Now, if you want to, if you want to frame an argument under the premise that this team is not pursuing marginal wins this season, I do believe minute play minutes played is a good place to start. I mean, the Wolves, They've played 10 or more players in every game this season, which balances out the minute distribution between the quote-unquote better players and the quote-unquote worst players. You know, very simply, you know, by playing your better players less than other teams play their better players, a team's likelihood of winning theoretically decreases, right, by some margin. And I'm, I'm not even talking about injuries here or resting players. We're talking about when players are healthy, the time they are on the floor in a given game. You know, the, the Wolves obviously already at a competitive disadvantage, of course, by having, you know, needed to play, what, what are we at now? 20 of their 24 games without Cat, their best player. I mean, that that obviously isn't tanking, right? That's bad luck. He got COVID. I mean, but but sacrificing marginal wins in other ways is a veiled sort of form of tanking. And, and to some extent... Right, like I, I can put my like super logical hat on and be like, I you know I could, 
I could see the logic in that plan. The whole idea of, well, Cat is already out, so you know, what's the point of these Catless games? Sure. But this isn't this isn't hyper logical. I mean, this is this is a competitive sport. I do think that logic becomes spited by karma. I mean, there's just a bad vibe about all this. It sticks out, and, and quite frankly, you know, given the fact that the Wolves only have a 40% chance of keeping their pick this year, even if they have the worst record in the league, I don't know, I just personally find it to be off-putting. I mean, my broader hope, you know, in the name of karma by competition, is that the Wolves the Wolves do begin, you know, chasing marginal wins once Cat returns. Why not? I mean, I don't know, I, I hope the players play more in the games <laughs> they are healthy more minutes and i hope they start taking fewer games off for rest i i do understand that there's value in resting players people do it all around the league and i do understand that 40 percent is a very is very much you know it's not zero there's there's something to be said about getting ping pong balls i just feel whatever value there is in that whatever is gained there is just trumped by the spirit of competition when your best player returns I think that would just be good for the big picture of this team. Not to mention the fan base. I, I don't know. I just, I don't think we could do this all year. A couple other notes before we close um, tonight that, that caught my attention during the game. Uh, one being Juan Johan and Gomez uh, returning after missing 12 games over the course of 25 days in the league's health and safety protocols. Um, I, I, I thought, whatever. I mean, Wancho came in. It was kind of a blowout at the time. But in the fourth quarter, thought he looked fine. Um, but my bigger takeaway came from when I asked Saunders after the game about Wancho's role going forward. And this stood out to me because Saunders said, quote, everyone will get opportunities as the season goes on. And, you know, that quote on its face I don't know, doesn't mean anything, but that sticks out to me because that was the same thing Saunders said when I asked him a month ago about Jake Lehman, when Jade McDaniels first came into the rotation over Lehman's spot. The first game Lehman was, you know, he was active for, but got a DMP. I, I asked Saunders about that at practice the, the next day. And I was kind of assuming that he would be like, Oh yeah, we were, you know, we were, Jake was just coming back from the birth of his child, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, be back in the mix. But what Saunders said then was, you know, Everyone will get opportunities as the season goes on. And what you know, what proved to be the case with Lehman was he was removed from the rotation. So to me, reading the tea leaves, I guess, is this answer signals that it's that's not the plan to include Wancho in the rotation in the immediate future at least. I think I, I do think Wancho will get another chance in the same way that Lehman got another chance. And that's only if other players have to miss time. I mean, ironically, with Lehman, he got back into the rotation after Wancho was removed from it after testing positive for COVID. The other noteworthy bit from tonight is just that I thought um, I thought what we saw from, from Jalen Noel tonight was, again, really impressive. I mean, Noel has now played 16 or more minutes in each of the past eight games, and he scored in double figures in every one of those games. Noel had 18 tonight on six of nine shooting. And over the past eight games, he's shooting 37% from three and 56% from two. And he's doing it on high volume. I mean, he's when he's out there, he's kind of like the primary scorer. And, yeah, I mean, I think we're beginning to see who Noel is as a player. This is his first extended run. I mean, and he's a primary scorer. 
I mean, in a bench, uh, off the bench, but I don't know. I, I think these eight games have, you know, shown that whatever previous labels he had of being just a catch and shoot guy are just incorrect. I asked him about that and how he sees his sort of kind of kind of ball dominant kind of primary scoring option style of play. How how that how he sees that kind of fitting into the rotation going forward. Jalen, I remember we we talked uh, during the preseason after after your big game and it kind of laughed about how you've been mislabeled as maybe a catch and shoot um, player when when now you yeah you're smiling um, now you've kind of shown that you are pretty clearly in, in offensive creator. And I, I'm wondering what, like what that balance is of you are a primary creator, but you're, you're playing in a bench role. Like how, how does, how does that fit? How do you fit into the bench when you, when you are a primary player and that's not necessarily what you role? You know what I'm saying? Um, just having the ability to do both. Um, right. For me, you know, I was labeled that and I was not ever happy about that because playing, just growing up, I was never that, never just a catch and shoot player. So for me, uh, you know, I, I shown that I can do both. So it, for me, it's just a matter of who's out there on the court and what my role is at that time and making sure that I, I play that role the most effectively I can. As far as playing time goes going forward, it will be, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, to Noel once, once Jared Culver returns, right? I, I'd heard that it looked like Culver would be out for 10 to 14 days back on January 29th, the Sixers game. So as we sit here now on February 9th, that's 12 days, which would suggest that Culver, you know, could be back sometime in the next week. Um, the Wolves are obviously more heavily invested in Culver than they are Noel just, I guess, based on the draft. But it, it's hard to say that Culver has ever, you know, strung together an eight-game stretch that has been as effective as the current stretch Noel is on. I mean, just take draft stock out of it. The the only real basketball reason for playing Culver over Noel would be defense. I mean, theoretically, Culver is a bigger and better defender than Noel, right? But I'm curious to see how much they prioritize that. I mean, we've seen Akogi's role sort of vacillate here. They're becoming more comfortable letting Anthony Edwards be that primary wing defender or even, you know, Beasley in that role too. So, yeah, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how hungry they sort of are to have another wing defender back in Culver back in the mix. Because what Noel has going for him is that he does provide shooting on the second unit, even if he isn't just a catch-and-shoot guy. And and that that, that should be... That should be valuable in the second unit here coming up. I, I do think that the Cat, McDaniels, Edwards, Beasley, D'Lo starting lineup is coming, which the inverse of that is it creates a real need for shooting on the second unit. I mean, that, that second unit cannot afford to play Vanderbilt, Culver, Okogie, and Rubio all together. That's no way. No shooting there, you know? Even playing two of those guys together would be tough. Put Noel in, in there, and that, that helps the shooting mix. I, I think I would go with a Nas, Vanderbilt, Akogi, Noel, and Rubio second unit, which would, at least for the time being, pinch out Hernan Gomez, pinch out Culver, and Lehman. Now, that's just me. I, it, What do I think will actually happen? I don't know. I mean, I think Noel's minutes and Vanderbilt's you know, may be in jeopardy 
you know, once this team's back at full strength because you have Culver, you know, scratching at the Noel minutes. And then I think Vanderbilt's over Hernan Gomez, but there's Lehman in there too. Like those are the, I guess you call those the ninth and 10th spots in the 10 man rotation in Noel and Vanderbilt. And I'm curious to see if they keep those locked down or how, you know, just at full strength, what that ninth and 10th spot looks like. I don't think fans would be very happy if Noel and Vanderbilt were removed, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All right, that's all I've got for tonight. The Wolves play the Clippers finally back at home on Wednesday night. I will be back after that one and trying to figure it out right now. Hopefully, I'll be able to mix in another guest pod or two this week in advance of – I want to do something in advance of Friday's game against Charlotte and LaMelo Ball. I'm going to see if maybe I can get Charks to come on and – you know, talk some Ant versus LaMelo, but either way, we'll see how fast this week goes by. I will be back for sure on Wednesday night after the Clippers game. Um, hopefully, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Cat to be there, but hopefully we're going to get, you know, Cat moved up to doubtful tonight, and hopefully that keeps moving in the right direction over the course of the week. He's, quote, working on his lung capacity right now, so I don't know. I, I think as the week goes on, we'll have more good news on Cat. And, you know, it's time for some competition in the name of karma, right? Bring Cat back. Let's do it. Until then, I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like no.